Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast series by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about mental health, personal development, and sexuality. Your hosts today are Matt, Callan, and myself, Michael. So this week, guys, we are talking about internalized homophobia, and we're continuing the discussion from the last few weeks where we talked about community. For those of you who are in the free Facebook group, Gay Men's Brotherhood, you will know that we talked a lot about community in there over the month of June, and today being July 1st, happy Canada Day. We are going to turn the camera or the lens inward, and the month or the theme for the month is uh, inside out. So to that end, our first topic is internalized homophobia. Um, this is a topic that I think a lot of people have uh, resonance with, whether they know it or not. I can speak to my experience of it, and I'm sure all of us will, but I think first what I want to do is read the definition from Google, because I think this word is used a lot, and not a lot of people know exactly what it means, so I just want to put a little moment of clarity in here. Okay, so according to the Googles, Internalized homophobia is when an LBG individual adopts society's negative attitude towards one's own sexual identity. Likewise, negative beliefs are internalized, resulting in the person devaluing the self and developing a poor self-concept. Okay, so what does that all mean? Well, I will give you sort of my explanation for the way that I've kind of learned it for myself. The way that I see it is anyone who is born... Um, gay or whatever whatever the marginalized word you want to use is we are brought up in a heteronormative society right so we are taught consciously and subconsciously to believe that the way that we are is wrong so we are often given messages that you know um, uh, you know for example one that i heard a lot was uh, a man and a man can't raise a baby or a woman and a woman aren't as great parents as a man and a woman and that is, you know, a product of our heteronormative culture. So, you know, there's times where you can grow up and realize that these are just thoughts or beliefs that you don't have to adopt, but there are so many that kind of sip into the subconscious that we are not aware of. And that is where the internalized homophobia happens. And this, is, can, this can be a really tricky subject because a lot of times, and this is, I can speak for myself here, I didn't realize it was there. So, this happens in, in our formative years. You know, for me, it was while I was in the closet in the last podcast, I spoke about how I, I hated myself for those years that I knew that I was attracted to men and I desperately wanted so badly not to be. And I learned to hate who I was. And although now I am an out loud and proud gay man, there still is that part of me that, you know, has a little bit of that self-loathing and that presents itself a lot in my, sometimes my relationships is where I tend to see it for me. So this can manifest in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, a little bit about that, but I can tell you a little story for when I was in high school. And so I knew I was gay or I knew I was interested in men. I didn't even know if I used the word gay at that point yet, but I knew I was interested in men. And there was a guy in my school who was uh, more flamboyant. He was out and you know, he was a really nice guy and I just had such contempt for him. And I didn't wanna have any association with him even though he was very nice and you know, we, we chatted, we were friends even, um, but I didn't wanna be associated with him because I thought of course that people were going to, you know, get on to the fact that, oh, I might be gay. And I had such shame about that. So I pushed him away. And you know, there are things that I did that made it seem like I was trying to protect myself, but really at the end of the day, it was just my own internalized homophobia that was manifesting itself with, with this particular person. And I think this happens a lot. Uh, and like I said, it does manifest in a lot of different ways. So 
the other thing that I see a lot of is, you know, just because I've done a little bit of that work to recognize it within myself, it does not mean that it's gone. Uh, I think for me personally, it has been a, a continuous struggle to question, you know, why is this triggering me? Why do I have such anger for, you know, these certain situations? And I think that that curiosity uh, can actually lead you to a very interesting uh, introspection and, and looking in there and seeing where this is coming from and perhaps why. So that's what I'll start off with. Kellen, how about you? <laughs> I love that because it very much resonates uh, a similar story to myself. Um, <clears throat> in high school, there was one out kid and I hated him um, because of the internalized homophobia because he was very effeminate. And then he came out, I think in grade 11 or 12. I can't remember. I think he was out for a little while. Um, but he was also in like my circle of friends. He wasn't my friend, but he was like in kind of the greater circle. You know how you have the closer friends and then you kind of have the like outskirts and then there's this little groups that overlap. So he was kind of in the group and I just, I hated him. I didn't want to be friends with him. I rolled my eyes. Like it was kind of like this weird competition between the two of us. Um, and it was because my own internalized homophobia and that's because he was very effeminate presenting. And to me in my head as I was like, I don't want to be like you. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be perceived like that. If I become friends with you, people are going to perceive me as gay and I'm a not ready for that. And B like uh, that in my head, that was the worst thing because you know, what are we taught as men growing up? We're taught don't be vulnerable. Don't be feminine, which is stupid because that means, you know, perceiving femininity as a bad thing, as a negative trait, which it's not like being female is being female. It's not negative. Um, but you know, the heteronormative masculine world we live in. Um, so yeah, I pushed him, I pushed it away. I pushed him away. And that was a lot of my own internalized homophobia playing up being like, I don't want to be associated with you. Even if I did come out, even though I knew I was gay, I didn't want to be like that gay. And I see a lot of this in the gay community these days, um, in, you know, the, you know, the daddy's mask for mask and all this kind of energy. And it's like, I'm, I'm perceived as super hyper masculine because I'm not feminine and blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, it takes two to tango. And if you're having like anal sex, there's always going to be a top and there's always going to be a bottom. And like, it, it's just a fact of life. And so the fact that we pretend that that's not a fact of life pisses me off mm -hmm. all the time because you know, people enjoy, some people enjoy both. Some people enjoy just bottoming. Some people just enjoy topping, but the internalized homophobia comes into play when you're that hyper-masculine top who absolutely refuses to bottom because you're like, I'm not a female. I'm not feminine. I'm not going to have that energy going on. And so how this played out for me getting older is it took me a long time. I was like kind of more strictly top until I was about 26, 27, somewhere around in there. Um, and I, I became friends with this guy named Billy, who I worked with, who I, I adore you, Billy, if you're listening to this, I love you. Um, and he was the queeniest queen of all queens. Like he, his flame was so bright and it intimidated me so much. Um, and we worked together. My friend got me a job at a restaurant and we worked together. And he really intimidated me because I was like, this bitch over here has the nerve, has the audacity to be himself, to just be himself. And I think it was my, my, my internalized homophobia and self-hatred that came up that I was just like, fuck, I wish I loved myself as much as you do. Even if it was a bit of a show, it, he was owning it. And so 
through working together, being forced to be in the situation, he actually asked me to do this competition with him. Um, like this three month kind of like silly, just local fun modeling competition that he really wanted to do because he had lost like a significant amount of weight, like 150 pounds or something. And I was like, you know what? Okay, cool. Like you need support doing this. Let's do this. Let's have fun. And through that process, we were driving downtown all the time together. We were doing, it was a lot of volunteer work, um, just a lot of being together. I really developed this beautiful and amazing friendship with him that really allowed me to embrace my femininity because he was doing it. And through osmosis, I allowed myself to kind of do it. And it just brought me such peace of being like, oh, okay. Like, yes, Billy, you are outrageously feminine and you burn that flame bright. It doesn't mean I have to burn it as bright, but I can still enjoy those aspects of me. I can still enjoy that, you know, more, you know, um, perceived feminine side of myself and it, it's fine. I can enjoy it. It doesn't mean that I'm any less of a man. It doesn't mean that I'm any more vulnerable than anybody else. And it actually is much more of a strength. And it's, and I now see it as a strength because now when I go out and I see people doing that and I see people giving them, you know, side-eyed glances or saying comments, I do my best because I'm not perfect. Just like Michael was saying, I do my best to be like, now that's not cool. Like they're just enjoying themselves. Can't they like just let them enjoy themselves? Because your negative comments is saying more shit about you than you're actually saying about them. You know, they're the ones enjoying their life, having a fun time. You're the one being a Judge Judy. And so by having Billy in my life and through going through that experience, it really allowed me to open up. And then that also allowed me to open up sexually because I could now allow myself to explore those aspects of femininity and bottoming and these other things that we put on to that, you know, connotation. And it totally changed my world. And I think it allowed me to kind of embody more of my whole self and all the aspects of me, because like, I love, I can be queenie. I can be like, Oh, queen. Like <laughs> I can kiki like anybody else. And I'm sure like we all can, but then I can also, you know, settle and just not be like that. And I can go over the top. And that's just because that's if I'm in the moment and I want to be, I can be because there's no right or wrong way to be gay. There's no right or wrong way to live your life. The only time it becomes an issue is when it is internalized homophobia and you're not recognizing it or there's hatred or anger coming from there. If you're a super hyper masculine dude and that's just who you are, that's totally cool. But if you're hating on or raking on people who are bottoms because you're a top or you're hating on and raking on people who are quote unquote super femi, that's hatred. That's naked. That's internalized homophobia. That's not you being you. That's you being a douche. And so that's where the energy needs to shift. And, and it was only through allowing myself to be friends with somebody who I perceived as super hyper feminine and gave myself that space to come to the table and sit with them and to be friends with them, that that perception changed in my world. And so I challenge anybody out there listening that if you feel like maybe you're in one of these camps or the other, to put down the judgments that we have and to come to the table, like what's the worst thing that you can happen? You make a friend. Not everybody wants to sleep with everybody, but it's great to develop friendships because it's really easy to hate people from a distance. It's really fucking hard to hate people up close, especially when you get to know them as a human being. So, so that would be my challenge. And that's kind of my soapbox moment. So I'm going to get down and I'm going to pass it over to Matt. As always, <clears throat> lots of wonderful ideas being 
shared and stimulated my ideas. So thank you. Um, yeah, this, you know, internalized homophobia is still alive in me. And, you know, a lot of people might be surprised to hear that because it's like, oh, well, you know, you're a leader in a brotherhood for gay men and you still have some internalized homophobia. Well, I think it's the, it's the dualistic experience of the human condition, right? My ego experiences life uh, and other people differently than my true self does. And my ego still carries some conditioning around what it means to be a gay man. And I think that's really what we're talking about today here is like, what does it mean to be a gay man? We all have our own definition. And over time, that definition changes. And I think as we learn to appreciate and love being gay, we learn to change our conditioning, right? And I think for me, it's been a very long road of changing and um, up leveling, leveling up my conditioning around what it means to be gay. This was highlighted last week, or sorry, last episode in celebrating uh, our gayness. And like, it was a hard episode for me. <laughs> like, really, I was like, this is hard for me to think about, like what there is to celebrate. I was like, yeah, okay, like, gay sex great i love dick you know like uh, all these things like great uh, but but the true aspects of being a gay man like i was just there's so much there for me it's such a loaded area and um i'm learning still learning um i'm a student of this uh how to love myself unconditionally and part of, aspect of me is being gay right i'm learning how to love that and celebrate that to its fullness um where my internalized homophobia because well I'll, I'll first unpack what what for me my conditioning i was taught by my conditioning societal norms heteronormative stuff my parents all of that my community it was all around feminine masculine and i i bring that up so much in my teachings now because it's so alive for me right now and i'm, I'm i want to talk about it a ton because i'm learning how to love my feminine and not just my feminine the feminine the, the divine feminine the feminine in other people and for many many years almost my whole life i was triggered to shit by feminine feminine guys and um really campy queeny guys drag queens i would just see one and i would go the other way i was like uh-uh because but what I was doing is I was abandoning myself. I was abandoning my own divine feminine because I'm literally turning away from myself when I turn away from something that's triggering me. This has been the most valuable uh, learning for me is internalized homophobia for me. It brings up shame. Um, that's the, the core thing that I'm working with. And for me, it's shame around being feminine, uh, not being as good as the straight man, <laughs> you know, like that was a big thing that I internalized. I put straight men on a pedestal and I was somewhere below. Um, and one of the defense mechanisms that I learned to, to cope with shame was projection, right? So how do I cope with my own homophobia inside is by condemning the people outside me that represent exactly what I am that I have yet to integrate within myself. And um, as soon as I stopped doing that, actually, you know what, it's not even that we stop doing it, we become aware that we're doing it because the ego automatically wants to continue doing it anyway. And as soon as I stopped doing that, I started to gain more self awareness around, okay, this is actually about me, go within, get curious about what it is in myself that I I'm still grappling with, still learning to love about myself. And I had an experience this weekend when I went, I went to the beach 
and I was on the gay side of the nude beach and there was gay guys everywhere. And I haven't been in a gay group setting in a long time, obviously because of COVID. And um, there was just a lot of stuff that was like, I was like, oh, like, they're like, why are they saying these things? Why are they representing themselves that way? There was a lot of Judge Judy that came up and I caught, and it was autopilot. I didn't even realize I was doing it. And then I caught myself and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I started to get curious. I'm like, what is, what are they doing that's making me feel triggered? And then I went there, went into the trigger and some of my lone wolf stuff came up. I was with just me and my buddy and we were very, very in our own energy, which was really nice. I love that. I'm very introverted and I don't need to talk a lot when I'm with people but these guys were in a big cohort of like 20 guys. And for me, that's intimidating. That makes me feel uncomfortable being in a group of, of a lot of gay men and that, that to see them all kind of thriving, it made me feel left out or it made like, it brought up my lone wolf, the, the negative side of my lone wolf. Um, so in that moment, it was easier for me to use projection rather than sit with my shame. Right. But when I do that, I don't allow myself moments of growth because I'm not actually sitting with the thing that's going to help me grow, right? Which is the shame, sit with the shame, love the shame, love the parts of you that feel like they need to be shamed in the first place. And then once I started to do that, I, I, I noticed my judgments dispel, right? They were, they were gone. They evaporated because I was taking responsibility for myself. So I just think, you know, internalized homophobia is, it's very alive, it's very alive in the brotherhood. I see it. We asked a question last week about what do you love about being gay? And there was, there was a lot of like, meh, or like nothing, or like these, these sort of responses. And I get it. I empathize. I totally empathize. And there's nothing wrong with being at that meh place where it's like, I don't really see a lot of value in being a gay man because that's part of unpacking the conditioning that we've been fed that tells us it's not okay to be who we are. And, um, Actually, I think I'm going to leave it there because I, th I think my monologue is over. <laughs> we'll, we'll integrate some, some exchange now. <laughs> um, thank you for, for reminding us about that question because I remember reading that. And I mean, I know I said like all the great things that I love about being gay, but it wasn't always the case, right? As I, as I mm -hmm. said earlier. And there was surprisingly a lot more responses that were in the negative or neutral even um, than, there, than I expected. Um, so I think it's important to, to re realize that we all are, we are all on our own journey. We are all at a certain point on that journey. And the goal is not to shame ourselves or others for where we are on that journey. I mean, I saw some comments that I completely did not agree with. And, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to necessarily say, oh, no, you're wrong. That's not, that's not the goal. It's more so, okay, well, this is where you are. And that's valid. That's okay. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want to just add more shame on top of the shame. That's not how that works. So this kind of speaks again to going back to community, the importance of community in this conversation, because yes, you know, Matt, your example, and it counts as well, actually, and mine, like when we did that work inside and recognized that we could give that little version of us, I say little because I, I, I imagine to be a very scared younger child, um, some compassion and love and and having see that version of me for who he is. When I do that within, then all of a sudden, yes, then I can I can do that with others as well. And then I'm less judgmental as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it is all an inside job. Mm -hmm. And I, I fully agree. And I see... <clears throat> I see the things acting out now from when we were children as like when I was a little boy, when I was doing those effeminate things back in as a child, 
that's when I got shamed by other people and that's their shit. That was their baggage, but it passed on to me. And cause it, it, it's a generational thing, like shame, racism, mm -hmm. all of these things are generational things that we pass on to kids. <clears throat> kids aren't born shameful. Kids aren't born racists. They're created. And so to unpack these things, we need to go, we need to go inside and to do this work to see, okay, well, what is this bringing up? Like Matt, when you were at the beach, you're like, okay, shit's getting triggered. Why is it getting triggered? And, and I think back to myself and it's because I was shamed as a child for, for being effeminate. I was shamed for trying on dresses and for having fun and running around pretending I was a princess. I was shamed for playing with Barbies. I was shamed for, you know, wanting to do dance class instead of going and playing soccer. And it's like, of course, as a child, you're going to soak this all up and you're going to go, okay, well, these things are obviously wrong because I'm being shamed for them. I feel bad, not for doing them because I like doing them, but other people are making me feel bad for wanting to do them. And that's mm -hmm. what builds that, you know, internalized homophobia in your head of being like, okay, well, if this isn't what I'm supposed to do, let's, let's, let's try and do what I don't necessarily love doing, but that's socially acceptable. And that's mm -hmm. when we're playing the comparison games and we're the fitting in games. And when you play the fitting in games, you ain't never going to win. You're never going to win those fitting in games. Mm -hmm. um, and to take it back to me uh, against that kid in high school, I now can step back and look at it and go, his flame burning bright and him being a dick, because he was a dick. But that was also his defense mechanism, because he went in the opposite direction than I did. I went the hiding living in the shame. He went in the, well, this is fucking who I am. So I'm going to hurt all of you and tell you all to go fuck yourselves and be angry and be a douche as my defense mechanism, because he couldn't hide like I could hide. He was, he was just so genuinely himself that there's those are people who just can't hide. You'd see them and you're like, oh yeah, you gay, you gay girl, you gay. Um, <laughs> And so they have to develop the other defense mechanism, which I also see in the gay community is the super hyper, you know, flamboyant femme, but they're also so mean. And that's because they had to develop that barrier, that boundary, and they had to be mean because people are fucking mean to them. Mm -hmm. So of course they're going to be mean. If you're dishing it, that's what you're going to get back. Right. Um, and the only way I can see us, you know, starting to heal and starting to do the work to not have that it's, it's the inside job. You got to be able to step back and look at yourself like you did at the beach mat and go, okay, this is triggering me as fuck, but mm -hmm. why is this triggering me as fuck? Like what's mm -hmm. going on in me? Because it's not what they're doing. You have no control over anybody else in the world. You can only control yourself. So now I, I really focus on stepping back and trying so hard not to be that judgmental self. And I'm not perfect. I do it all the time. I'm like, all right, queen, calm down. Like mm -hmm. there's moments you have, but in those moments, it's a practice to check yourself. That's what I think this work is for me is that constant practice of, okay, is this triggering me? Why is this triggering me? let's check myself, like what's going on instead of jumping into it and playing into the energies, it's taking a step back and going, okay, there's still work to be done because my life is a daily practice. It's not just like a one size fits all kind of a deal. It's like, this is a continuous thing. And yes, I might love myself for being gay now. I didn't as a kid, but now I absolutely love it. And other things come up for me of like romantic relationships has always been a bit more of a difficult thing for me because of rejection, not for being gay, but just 
situationally. So now it's like, okay, well, how does that fit into all of this? And there's different work to be done for all of us. Um, but yeah, triggering, tracing back to your child self and going, where did I learn this shame that I'm trying to push onto these other people is like the number one place to start. So the question number one to ask yourself, where did I learn this shame from that I'm now trying to project onto these other people? And why do I think like that? Get mm -hmm. curious. Yeah, so much, uh, <clears throat> so much there. Did you have something to say, Michael? I noticed you were. Yeah, I just wanted to say one <laughs> okay. thing, well, one caveat. You don't okay. always, at least in my case, you don't always know. So as I was saying in the beginning, it's all of, a lot of the times just subliminal. Like, yes, we just don't know it's there, right? Like we, like I didn't know that that was there. It's just what I was taught. And I mean, as a five-year-old, as a four-year-old, these very, very um, formative years, you don't realize that what is being put in your brain, and you're just accepting it as truth. And then mm -hmm. it kind of shows up there, and that is the lens through which you look at society without even questioning it. So there's a lot of it that is hard to get at because you don't know it's there. I mean, even for all three of us, surely we have some form of internalized homophobia that we do not see. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, I'm, I, and that, that's such a perfect segue to what I was going to talk about. Um, I think for me, I had to, I had to be with the shame. That, that's first and foremost. You have to be with that shame. And I think the human beings are so smart like we're so adaptive but also it can our, our adaptation become, can become maladaptive very quickly i think when we're younger we develop these mechanisms like projection denial minimizing blaming um non-defense uh, or non-compete right like all of these things to prevent us from having to experience the shame and our healing comes when we start to disintegrate these psychological defenses to having to sit with the emotions that uh, bring up stuff for us and when I started to sit with my shame and be with it and send love to myself, that's when I moved into energy of reclamation. And for me, reclamation means thickening the definition of what it, is, what it, what it means to be a gay man. Because I've struggled with this so much. The, the, the fact that there's aspects of the gay community that I just don't like, they're not in resonance with me. And for many years, I didn't know who I was and I tried to fit into all that, that stuff and it wasn't me. And I remember like just always being like, this isn't me. That's how, what I felt growing up so much. And I already felt like I didn't belong to this heteronormative world. And then I don't feel like I belong to this gay world because I hadn't allowed myself to belong. I was trying to fit in, which is leading with shame, which is I will conform so I don't have to feel my shame wounds. And belonging is... I acknowledge my shame and I'm looking to reclaim myself and I'm going to enter into this group of people being my authentic self. And that's where I am ish. I'll add an ish there because I'm still working on this stuff. It's, it runs so deep. Um, and, and, and like you said, Michael, we're constantly finding ways to not have to be with, with our shame and it's it's preventing us from from connection um, or at least I would say it's preventing us from authentic connection with ourselves primarily and then obviously that the product of that is going to be lack of authentic connection with other people but yeah those are my thoughts based off of what you guys just shared can I share another way that it uh, it showed up for me sort of mm -hmm. I 
that I just kind of thought about mm-hmm. when I came oh. out. So I kind of ditched the whole after I came out. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not homophobic anymore because I'm out, right? But the next, I think the next phase of, of it for me was that I um, elevated men who were masculine, and I wanted to be one because I my story was that was more attractive. Mm-hmm. So that's another way that that kind of came up for me as I'm thinking, like, I remember it was very important when I was like a, my early twenties to, to come across as like straight acting or remember that everyone put that in their profile back on the gate. Hashtag mask for mask. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was one of those in the, in the, in those gay.com days. Mm-hmm. Even <laughs> um, but yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm straight acting. You know, I wore the, what was it? What was it back then? Abercrombie type thing. Oh, American Eagle. That's what it was. I had all the stuff and, you know, I didn't, you know, people like I took it as a sign of pride when people were like, oh, wow, like I didn't, I didn't think you were gay. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know. I'm just so masculine. And that, you know, was the same thing. It was still that internal homophobia, even though I was out. Um, so I think that's the sort of second phase of how it showed up for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I vibe on that for sure. Like it's, what is this obsession we have with straight men? Like, I mean, yes, I can, I can appreciate a beautiful man aesthetically that I like, but also as a, a sapiosexual where it's just like, I'm attracted to intelligence. The physical only goes so far. And I have a wide spectrum of physical that I've been attracted to. So I know that I know the more I'm doing this work, I know that it's the physical is an aspect and I won't negate that, but that when somebody starts speaking and I hear their mind coming through, that's what really gets me going. Um, And that comes in so many different forms that now I don't hold the heterosexual man up on a pedestal that I used to when I was fighting against a lot of things. Um, Cause there was this, I think there was this weird attachment in my mind of like, oh, if I can get a heterosexual man to sleep with me or to like get him to like me or like, quote unquote turn him or something like that like it was like a challenge accepted but it was just like why like there there's gonna be so much baggage that comes with that that now I'm like no man you go do your work you go figure yourself out you go do that stuff come to me when you're you know happy with where you are and who you are and we're all gonna have our stuff but you've done the work to get to where you are I want somebody who's you know, situated, uh, well-adjusted to a certain degree. We all have our shit, but who's gay and happy and like, yeah, I'm gay. I'm happy. This is my life. I like it. You know, stuff's awesome. Whether he's more feminine, whether he's more masculine, that's not going to be the most important part to me. It's going to be what's up here. Because at the end of the day, if I spend my life with somebody, this is what's going to stay. Hopefully, like, you know, fingers crossed um, that I'm blessed with somebody like that. But like, my mom and I had a conversation. She's like, I still feel like I'm like in my thirties or forties in my mind. The outside might've changed, but up here hasn't. And so this hyper-masculine muscular look a certain way, that shit is fleeting. It will Mm -hmm. not last. And so the fact that we put so much attention and energy into it, because we're very visual beings, humans are very visual. I get it, but I really, really want us to get to a place where that's not the go-to default because Mm -hmm. then, that also is just creating this whole world where, you know, the go-to stereotype in the gay community is tall, white with the six pack abs and perfect teeth. Mm-hmm. And that's bullshit because if you're not those things already, you don't fit in. 
And we are recognizing we're all white guys. We all look decently good. We either, you know, we're all pretty tall. Well, I'm, I'm six foot three, Michael. <laughs> but like, I recognize that we fit into that. And even I feel like I don't fit in. So I can only imagine everybody else who really doesn't fit in and, you know, jumping into racism and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, of course, there's going to be all this hatred coming from those places of this ideal that is so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, but the only way we're going to change that is working from the inside out and doing our own work to, to do our own sh shit digging to get rid of as much of that shame as we can so that we get to a place where it's not about the aesthetic. It's about the internal and it's about the mind and it's about people as human beings. And I said it before already that it's really easy to hate people from far away, but it is really hard to hate them up close. So, you know, get up close with people, get to know people. If people make you uncomfortable, make it your challenge to be like, oh man, this really feminine guy is making me really uncomfortable at the bar. He's flirting with me. You don't have to flirt back. You can still be a nice person. I mean, as long as lines aren't being crossed and like people aren't, you know, getting aggressive, you just hold your boundaries clearly, kindly with compassion. I've had some great conversations with guys who, you know, people are like, oh my God, like she is a queen. But then when you give them the opportunity to just be a human, when you can say, I'm just going to be a human. I'm bringing my authentic self to the table. I'm belonging. I'm letting myself belong. You give permission for those other people to belong as well. And all of a sudden, all those masks come down, all those walls come down and they go, wow, you're a really cool guy. Like you're really easy to talk to. Like, and it's because they don't now, they don't have to play the game, you know? And so many people are so busy playing the game, which plays into this internalized homophobia. Um, yeah, I just went on a giant tangent. But, <laughs> but, but no, it was good. I was tracking you. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. there's so much about this topic that I just get I get so revved up. <laughs> I um I had a really interesting experience when I went to Asia. I basically spent all my time every single day with a guy named Neil, and um, he was straight and. Um, he was also a person of color and it was really cool. I did so much healing in this area with him because he was, I was actually, I remember when we first went out, we, I, uh, I knew he was straight, but we were like, Oh, let's have dinner. We're neighbors and blah, blah, blah. So we went out for dinner and he asked me something if I had a girlfriend and I said, no, and I didn't say I'm gay. And I'm like, fuck, I'm like, I should have. And I remember all this stuff came up again. And I was like, why do I do this around straight men? You know what I mean? Like I, it's like, I feel the urge to hide part of myself. And it was so cool, the therapeutic, the therapeutic aspects of our relationship. We literally spent almost every day for eight months together. And it was so cool to have a bromance where intimacy in a sexual way was not, it's not even on the table, obviously, because we're, we're, we're not aligned that way. And, um, but we, it was for the, I think the first time in my life that I've had like a true, like, I felt like a brother almost, you know, um, because I was always afraid of straight men. I didn't want to be around them because they would bring out the feelings in me that I didn't want to have to sit with. Right. Um, so that's the first part of my share. And then the other part is I want to talk a bit about shame because because um, again, I'm only owning my experience, but I do coaching with people in this area all the time. And I do see this consistently with people um, like any emotion when it's repressed, 
it actually stays inside of us. It's like emotions, all emotions are energy, right? And when we don't allow ourselves to feel them uh, because of our defense mechanisms, we store it in our body. And this is where we hold a lot of shame. It's stored energetically in the cells of our body and it creates all sorts of havoc in our lives. And the ego actually feeds off of this shame. That's where it gets its entitlement. It gets its all this stuff because it's trying to find a way to compensate for feeling inadequate. So it becomes grandiose, right? So what I want to highlight to people is to be very gentle and compassionate with yourself as you're doing this work, because it comes on in layers, right? The shame comes on in layers because we have experiences, we get heard messages and it happens in these little ways. And then it just layers and layers and layers. And I call this like the emotional onion inside of us. And it's just layered up with all this shit. When we get on a healing journey, it come, it has to come off in layers and it usually comes off in the same way that it went on. So we think, oh shit, I'm cycling back through the same old stuff that I was struggling with 10 years ago. And we think we're reliving it, but we're actually releasing it energetically. So don't be afraid to go through the motions of feeling these feelings because that's where the healing takes place. And we, we are suddenly, our onion gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm a testament to this. I've been going through this for a major, major transformation for the last nine months. And I've been shrinking my onion and my onion had some nasty shit in it. Okay. Trauma, shame, despair, loneliness, all this stuff. And I had to go through it. And there's no way around that. We, as human beings, we have to go through the things that we once repressed. So that's the second part of my share. The third part of my share is the part of us that heals is the feminine, right? The masculine doesn't heal. There's nothing about the masculine energy or the yang energy, whatever you want to call it, that's healing. The healing takes place in the feminine. As I've reconciled my distaste and disowning my feminine, that's where my healing has taken place, right? And, and some people might not conceptualize that because they're applying too much gender to that. But the feminine energy is about yin, slow down, um, you know, be more gentle with yourself, learn how to receive help, be humble. All of these things come in the feminine energy. We cannot heal when we're integrated in the masculine because it's way too ego dominant and we can't root down into our body, which is where all the healing occurs. So if you're somebody who's in, who's rooted in the internalized homophobia around feminine is disgusting, bad, I got to be masculine really question this, get curious, lead with compassion and try your best to start to invite some of this energy back in that you've split from, because that is likely the key to your healing. And I can only speak from personal experience. And that's exactly what I'm moving through now. And that was a big repression in my, for my whole life was my feminine energy. And as I'm starting to come back into my feminine, I'm just a different person. I'm able to hold space differently. I'm able to slow down. I'm able to be more understanding, more flexible, more loving, all of these things. And I think this is the remedy to us having a more conscious gay community is us all learning how to integrate more of that yin feminine energy. Well said. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm curious. I don't know how much time we have, we have left, guys, but I'm curious. What what do you guys think would be if someone's listening or watching right now and they think, oh, maybe I do have some internalized homophobia. I'm not quite sure because it's so hard to spot 
from within us, right? So what would be something that you could suggest to look at to kind of ask yourself with compassion, of course, not with judgment and shame, but with compassion and curiosity. Mm. I'll answer, I'll answer for me what, what mm-hmm. my biggest tell is always in my relationships, not, not necessarily romantically, but in general, when I'm with other, when other people are mirroring back things for me, if, if it's a, the same person or the same concept or, you know, that same theme that always upsets me or, or, or pisses me off, mm. that for me is how I became aware of it within. Hmm. So what's the question exactly? <laughs> for, someone, for someone who might be feeling that they might have some internalized homophobia, how can they spot it? How can they spot it? Um, I can share if you're not ready. Yeah, go for it. Or do you it. want to go? No, no, go for it. Okay. Mine's pretty simple. Quit avoiding the gay community and your gay brothers. Because when, as soon as I started to invite community in, Oh yeah, that's when it all came on. And that's what the, the discomfort we don't want to sit with. So if you want to know the shit you got to work on, your gay brothers have the answer. That's it. They will, hi- they will show you exactly what you need to work on. Yeah. And do it in a, yeah. you know, take your time with it. Again, you can do that compassionately. Maybe not uh, throw yourself in a big, you know, pot of, of gay men. Maybe just reach out to one and, and start to kind of whatever. But you, we got to, we, we hold the key for each other, our own mm-hmm. healing. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That's, that's great. Um, yeah. I would say curiosity. And if something is super triggering to you, um, move towards it. So an example of that could be, um, and, and when I say that, I mean, in the regards to like, come to the table, come sit at the table and have the conversation and get curious. So maybe an example would be like RuPaul's Drag Race. I know that there's a lot of gays who love it and a lot of gays who absolutely hate it. And if you're the kind of gay who absolutely hates it and it's like a visceral thing, that's where I would go, okay, why? Get curious about it. Challenge yourself to like watch an episode and figure out what it is that is triggering you, what it is that is bothering you. Is it that they're being feminine? Is it that they're wearing makeup and putting on dresses? Is it that they're, you know, over the top and outrageous? Is it the cattiness? Is it, you know, what parts of it are the parts that you don't like? And I'm not saying go out and become a RuPaul's Drag Race fan. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying use it as a catalyst to figure out what those things are that are triggering you. And that's just one example. And, and Matt's could be another example. Go towards the community, find out what's triggering you. Don't go towards it blindly, open your mind, go, okay, I'm going at, at like, use it as a science experiment and be like, okay, let's just take my time and figure out why these things trigger me and just become a curious of your own life, your own self. I think of my life as like a giant science experiment and a giant school. And anytime something comes up for me, instead of running away from it, pushing it down and ignoring it and being blind to it, I'm constantly pushing myself to push into it and go, okay, find something here to learn, find something here to move towards, find something here to grow from. Cause that's the only thing, that's what gets me excited to live is because I'm constantly learning new things and growing. And that happens only when we push ourselves past our comfort zones. So doing something like if you hate RuPaul's Drag Race, watching it pushes you outside of your comfort zone, 
find out why it makes you uncomfortable. Find out why it's outside of your comfort zone. If you're afraid of the gay community, push into it. Find out what is upsetting about the gay community, why you're afraid to be a part, why you're afraid to let yourself belong. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I would say. Yeah, great answers. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important, yeah, we, we're, by no means are we saying you have to love the gay community and everything about it. By no means are we saying you have to love RuPaul's Drag Race and all the things. But I think the key point that we're all saying is know your why. Why? Just understand why and be very honest with yourself mm -hmm. about that why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would yours be, Michael? Oh, I, um, I had said that uh, relationships for me is the biggest tell. Yes. When I'm like, if I have had in my 20s, I had a series of very similar relationships. So I was kind of like Matt was saying, I kept drawing in the same experience learning over and over while I wasn't learning clearly because I kept drawing in the same experience. <laughs> so it wasn't until I finally was like, okay, what the fuck is happening? Why does this keep happening to me? Um, like, why am I drawing this? And, but I, I made it, the question I asked was, you know, with, with a, eventually with curiosity and compassion was what am I doing to contribute to this? Like, you know, kind of looking within again, inside out, um, looking within. And then I finally, after years of the same pattern, that's when I was like, Oh, I'm doing it. I'm the one who needs to do the work within. And then surely enough, doors opened up to all kinds of other friends and relationships and people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The magic happens outside of your comfort zone, boys. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the beauty of what we've created, right? The, the Gay Men's Brotherhood is that. It's a, it's a safe space to come and unpack this stuff because you have 3,300 guys that are doing the same thing. This isn't just like Joe Blow's group. Like this is like a group of people that are interested in this stuff and want to unpack it and are more likely to hold space for you as you're unpacking it. So if you're somebody that's just kind of sitting in the sidelines, you know, watching everything play out and not growing it, growing from it in, internally, get on the field a little bit and play, 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 play the game with, with us and watch the impact that's going to have on your growth. And hugely. Yeah. And to get add triggered. on. Yeah. Right. Get, and get to triggered, come get yeah. triggered. Come get triggered with us. <laughs> right. And to add on top of that, if you're somebody who wants to go deeper or who doesn't want to be part of such a large open group, we also have our membership that's going to be opening in August. We're going to open our doors again. Right now we're going through, um, with a small cohort, just making sure things are perfect. But in August, we're going to be opening the doors for that. So if you really want to commit <laughs> and you really want to dive deep, that's the Gay Men Going Deeper membership. Um, you can sign up for the wait list in the show notes. Um, but we kind of take this a step further, put it into action steps and kind of guide you through these kinds of things in that safe container of community because every other guy in the community, they're all going through very similar things. We have guys who were, you know, who are older, who have been married with wives, who have kids, who have now come out. We have guys who are younger, who are trying to figure things out. We have guys who are working on more emotional based stuff. We have guys working on physical stuff. So it's just a really beautiful community that's kind of more concentrated. Um, so if you're curious about that, you can join the membership waitlist and we'll let you know when we open the doors for that. Mm -hmm. Good shout out. Yes. <laughs> well, in saying that, I think we're coming up on time, guys. Is there anything yeah. you want to end off on? Not for me. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Just love. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I encourage everyone to listen to the last 
two, because these, our podcasts really are, are flowing off of each other. So, yeah. you know, two, we did uh, the lone wolf syndrome, which is another barrier to community. And then we talked about uh, celebrating your gayness. And by the way, that's G-A-Y-N-E-S-S, not G dash anus. Um, <laughs> although whatever we want, your whatever gayness. floats your boat, guys. Your gayness. Um, and then today, right? So oh community God. is, you know, a pillar for us. And um, I do encourage everyone to go back and listen to the previous ones if this is your first podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. Well, in saying that, we encourage you, if you love us and you love this, please support us and support the podcast. Share it around with your friends. Be like, hey, listen to this awesome podcast. You should check it out. Yeah. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. We love that. It makes us feel really good. We also love reading your comments. We love responding to your comments. Mm-hmm. So leave us some comments. Um, give us a star rating on Apple iTunes if that's where you're listening from or on any of the platforms that you're listening from. Leave us a comment or something like that. We love doing that join us in the free gay men's brotherhood group on facebook you can get the link in the show notes or just go to facebook and look up gay men's brotherhood that's a free group for everybody it's peer support so just a bunch of guys doing the work getting help from each other we heal together Um, that's a huge belief i have and that we share is that healing happens when we're together through community Um, and i do believe that that is all of the things oh and hit us up on instagrams we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're growing our Instagrams and we do like weekly videos and we have things that come out there, Motivational Mondays. So go over there. Give us some, give us some love over there. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. All right, everybody. Peace. Thank you, everyone. Bye.